Well, I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me once again in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 20. We will continue in our series through the Ten Commandments. This week, we find ourselves at commandment number five. And as you see the message title, Honor Your Parents. Now, some of you may be a bit confused this morning. You may think... Why then did you dismiss the kids? This is the Sunday they should be in here. Listen, it is uh, always fun to think about that. And yet, as we think about this commandment this morning, it applies to all of us equally. And uh, so I want you to listen to these words. A writer describing youth described them in this way. Youth love luxury. They have bad manners, contempt for authority, no respect for older people, and talk nonsense when they should work. Young people do not stand up any longer when adults enter the room. They contradict their parents. They talk too much in company. They guzzle their food. They lay their legs on the table and tyrannize their elders. You may be thinking, sounds a lot like today. And yet what's interesting is that Socrates wrote this 400 years before Jesus. So as we think about parents, as we think about children, as we think about youth, as we think about how kids relate to their parents, and even as you get older, how do we relate to our parents as they age, I want you to know that there is nothing new under the sun this morning. And so as we reflect today on this command, I hope for all of us it will be an encouragement, it will be a challenge to us. And so this morning, join me in Exodus chapter 20. I want to begin in verse 1, reading through verse 21, as we have each week, taking in the full flavor of God's word as it comes to these commands. Look with me. This is God's word. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. 
For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. And they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen. But do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see that you would open our ears that we would be able to hear, and that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. As you take notes this morning, I'd encourage you to write down this main idea that will frame our time together as we consider the fifth command. It's this truth Fathers and mothers are good gifts from the Lord, and they should be honored. Fathers and mothers are good gifts from the Lord, and they should be honored. As we reflect on the text this morning, as we look at this fifth command, let me remind you of the purpose for which God gave us these 10 commandments. We've said this each week. I want to remind us once again why we have these, what purpose do they serve in our lives. And so the first purpose is this. The Ten Commandments reveal the character of God. They show us what God is like in his perfection, in his holiness that we sang about just a little bit ago. They remind us of who God is and that he is like no one else. Not only do the commandments remind us of this, but they also expose our sinfulness. We've said that the Ten Commandments, along with the law of God, functions like a mirror in our lives. It shows us our own sinfulness. It shows us that we are unable in our own strength, our own power, to keep the standard that God has set, which is utter perfection. Which leads us to number three. The Ten Commandments should drive us to Jesus who perfectly kept the law. Jesus is the only one who lived a perfect life in regards to the law of God, who perfectly kept God's law while he was here on this earth. And it reminds us that our only hope is Jesus as we think about our relationship with the law. We need someone to stand on our behalf before the Father. And Jesus does that 
for us, willingly laying down his life so that we could be forgiven of our sins, be brought into a relationship with God. It should drive us to Jesus. And here, fourthly, once we have trusted Jesus as our Savior, the Ten Commandments give us a guide as we seek to pursue righteousness in our lives. Jesus, in describing the commandments, said that the first four commandments remind us what it looks like to love God well. We've covered those first four over the last four weeks together. And then the next six, beginning here in command number five, going down through command number 10, show us what it looks like to love one another well, to love God and to love people. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, that is what you and I are called to do, to love God well and to love people well. And so for us, the Ten Commandments give us that guide as we seek to pursue righteousness in our lives, not by our own strength, but by the power of the Holy Spirit who is at work within us, enabling us to pursue righteousness in our lives. So with that being said, let's look together at this fifth commandment. Let's look at it in its immediate context as God gave it to his people Israel here through Moses and I want to remind you as we think about this command and its immediate context, along with every command that we've talked about so far and that we will talk about, verse 2 guides us to remind us first that this is coming from the Lord. The Lord says in verse 2, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. As God prepares to give these commands to his people, he says first to them, remember who I am. Remember my identity. I am the Lord. I am that I am. There is no one like me. I have always been and I will always be. There is no one that can compare to me. I am the Lord. That is who I am. But not only that, the Lord says to his people, and I am your God. Not only am I the God of all creation, but I am your God. I have entered into relationship with you. And not only that, the Lord reminds them, and I have delivered you out of the house of slavery, out of Egypt, where you have been slaves for 400 years, I have rescued you. And in light of who I am, in light of my relationship with you, in light of what I've done for you, here is what it looks like to love me well and to love others well. So look with me at verse 12. This is the fifth command that the Lord gives to his people he says, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. I want us to break this down for just a little bit. And the first word, if you can underline in your Bible this morning, I'd encourage you to do that. Underline that word at the very beginning of verse 12, the word honor, because that's a word that we need to understand. What does it mean as it's translated here, honor? Well, it simply means weight or heavy. 
I want you to think about this, and let me try to illustrate this for you. One of the things when I was growing up, we would go to the fair every year, and one of my favorite things to do was to go to one particular booth, and it was the guessing booth where you got to stand on the scale, but ahead of time, the guy who was there would guess your weight. And listen, I worked out. I didn't look heavy, but I was pretty heavy. My mama called it husky back in the day. And so I would stand there and the guy would guess my weight. It was always way lower than it should have been. So I would stand on the scale and the, the weight would come up and he'd go, "Hey, you're a big boy, aren't you? You know? But he didn't place on me the weight that I actually deserved. As we think about this word honor, what's being communicated is to place a weight or a heaviness on the position of parents, father and mother. So that word honor means to weight them accurately, to recognize their position and what they are called to do by the Lord. And if you notice, it says not only the fathers, which would have been very much understood culturally in this moment. Fathers were considered to be the head of the family, and so that would not have been anything new for them to think through. But to add in here, not only fathers, but also mothers would have been to elevate the mother's role in the life of children as well. And so for the Lord, he says, we need to wait properly. We need to accurately recognize the position that fathers and mothers have. The role of children is to do that. And then notice, he says, following that, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Honor your father and your mother. And Paul would say, this is the commandment that comes with a promise that your days may be long in the land that the Lord is giving to you. Now, oftentimes when we look at this, most people kind of think through this in a very practical sense. And I don't think that's wrong necessarily. They think, you know, parents have a responsibility to keep their kids safe. And so if a parent says to a child who's getting ready to run out in the street, you need to stop they're trying to preserve their life so that they would live longer versus getting run over in the street. And practically, you can look at that and say, yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. But I believe it's deeper than that when we consider the fact of what's going on in the text. Remember, in this immediate context, that the Lord is leading his people to the promised land. He has told them, I have a land for you that I'm going to lead you into, and I'm going to make out of you a great nation, and you're going to worship me, and you're going to make an impact in the world as a result of your relationship with me and the way in which you relate to one another. And so think about this with me. What is the building block of society? It is first and foremost the family. The building block of society is the family. 
Out of the family comes society, comes government, comes every other institution that we look around and see. But it begins first and foremost with the family. And the Lord is saying to his people, as you are preparing to enter into this promised land that I am giving you, recognize the value and the importance of the family as you are going in. And recognize that children have a responsibility to weight properly their parents and to demonstrate honor and respect to them in this land. Because here's what the Lord knows in this. That will carry on moving forward in every aspect of society. If you want to look at the breakdown of society today, and statistics hold this out to be true, even people that don't love God who study what's going on in society will say this very plainly. The breakdown in society is a result of the breakdown of the family. And so notice that the Lord's desire for his people is that they would experience long life in the land. They would experience abundant life in the land he is giving to them. And so he says, recognize that it begins with the family unit. And so if you want to think about it in this way, each of the commands, most of them come in a negative sense. This one doesn't. Isn't it interesting? Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Let's take it and let's turn it this morning to mirror the rest of the commandments that say you shall not. So think about it in this way. Do not dishonor your father and mother because you will forfeit the abundant life the Lord desires for you to have in the land he is giving you. In fact, the Lord is saying to his people in this moment, recognize that if you want to prosper in this land that I'm giving to you, if you want to have the abundant life that I am promising that I'm going to give to you, recognize it begins in the home. That's where it begins. And the Lord to his people here is reminding them that if we're going to love people well, it begins first in the home. That's where it begins. And whatever is going on in the home, culturally speaking, is what will spread into society and we will see the results of that from generation to generation. So with that as the immediate context of this command, let's zoom out a bit this morning. Let's think about this in all of Scripture. What does this command have to say to us throughout Scripture? Well, first, I want you to take note of God's appointed authority. God's appointed authority. You see, here's the reality. God's divinely ordained design is that fathers and mothers would be in authority over their children. God's divine plan is that fathers and mothers would be in authority over their children. 
It's the way God set up the family. That's the way God intended for the family to function. And in fact, if you look at these passages of Scripture, what you'll see is that God simply reiterates this throughout the Old Testament. That honoring the Lord looks like revering our parents, recognizing that God has placed our parents in our lives to be an authority over us. Not only that, I want you to know as you expand this out, as you begin to look in Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7, what you'll realize is that this family dynamic where mothers and fathers are in authority over their children is just a microcosm of society at large. Because all of us have a responsibility to submit to those that are in authority over us. And what we realize is that that's what God ordains in his plan for society to function the way that it should, we should submit to those that are in authority over us. Romans chapter 13 talks about the government and the Lord responds in saying that we should submit to the governing authorities over us. Now here's where the caveat comes in, unless that authority tells us to do something that is contrary to what God tells us to do, right? That's the one exception clause. And yet remember that as Paul writes this in Romans chapter 13, he is writing in the midst of a tyrannical emperor Nero who is in authority in Rome at this point in time and is persecuting Christians. Not only do we see God's appointed authority, we also recognize as we look at Scripture as a whole of God's purposeful authority. Here's the question. Why does God set up parents in authority over children? Why does God do that? Well, he does it for two primary reasons. One is discipleship. And the second is discipline. In fact, as you look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 25, this appears in multiple places throughout Scripture. But the role of parents in the life of their kids is to disciple them, to teach them who God is, and to challenge them to walk in obedience to the Lord. So if you're a follower of Jesus and you're a parent, your primary role in the life of your kid is to teach them the ways of the Lord and to encourage them to pursue those. Now, as you think about that, when your kids are little, what does that actually look like? Well, it looks like being intentional with them to talk about the things of the Lord intentional with them to bring them to church, intentional with them to expose them to the truth of God's word and to who Jesus is and that they are desperately in need of salvation through Jesus Christ and him alone. But here's the question now, what happens when your kids get older? Do you get just to wash your hands of that whole discipleship thing? No, it simply changes. If you're a follower of Jesus and you have kids that are older, kids maybe even that are grown, I just want to encourage you to think about the role that you still play in your kids' lives, that you should actively and intentionally be encouraging them to follow Jesus, that you should be encouraging them to pursue the Lord, that you should be encouraging them to walk with God. That role never goes away, though it does change as your kids get older. 
I've noticed this in our own life. We've got two teenage daughters. And so for us, it looks different today than it did when they were three and four. But the role doesn't change. The role to disciple our kids. But also we see Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 7 through 11, that secondary role, the role of discipline, the role of discipline in our kids' lives. Now, here's where things begin to get interesting, right? A lot of philosophies today about how to best discipline your kids. From one extreme of You just don't do it. Let them do whatever they want to. You know what happens when that happens? Chaos, right? To the other extreme that you beat your kids, which again is not okay. Physical abuse, not okay. Now you look in the the middle point of that and you say, okay, pastor, you're saying I I can't spank my children. I'll say to you this. You take that up with the Lord, consider what God's word says in Proverbs chapter 13, spare the rod, spoil the child. Consider how best to discipline them out of love, which is what Hebrews talks about, the best way to help your kids recognize the error of their ways and that they need to be on a different path than they are on. That is a crucial role that parents play. And I would say this as we think about that, There is freedom to disagree, even within the body of Christ, about what that looks like played out, okay? So as you think about the way you discipline your kids, it may not be the right way, okay? And you may look at someone else and say, well, if I had those kids, I could fix that. Here's the principle. As parents, we are called to disciple, we are called to discipline. Those are the roles that we have in our kids' lives. And then, as you expand out beyond that, you recognize that that also applies to other authorities. In fact, the Lord says that specifically. The role of government in society is to restrain evil and to punish evildoers. That's why The state bears the sword. The Lord specifically says that in his word. And so what we recognize is that God has placed authority in all of our lives, and we have a responsibility to respect, to honor that authority, and that authority, when it's exercised rightly, functions in a beautiful way in society. And that's the Lord's plan, and it is a good thing. Here's the third thing as we look throughout Scripture. The expectation is that that authority is respected in our lives. God's expectation is that fathers and mothers will be respected and honored. In fact, as you look, you realize in Exodus chapter 21, Deuteronomy chapter 21, the punishment if a child did not honor their parents, guess how serious it got? death. It was a capital offense not to honor your parents. 
Then as you continue to move through scripture, you realize in Proverbs 23 that the Lord speaks about the wisdom of listening to and honoring your parents. And then in Matthew chapter 15, verses 4 through 5, Jesus, in fact, confronts the Pharisees of his day of their hypocrisy of not taking care of their parents as their parents aged. And then as you look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, Paul once again reiterates this command and says that it comes with a promise. And for us, as we think about it, we realize that Nothing has changed as it relates to this command in our lives. We are still today to honor our father and our mother. So, let's ask a few questions of ourselves as we zoom out, as we think about today in our lives. How do we, how do we live this out? Because here's what I know. This morning, maybe you are a child, teen years and younger here. And you think, how do I live this out? Maybe you are older and your parents are still alive and you think, okay, how then do I live this out? Or maybe you have parents who are no longer with us. And you think about, okay, how do I live this out? Well, let's, let's unpack that a little bit this morning. But let's make this statement. At all times, we should honor our father and mother, as well as every God-ordained authority in our life. At all times, we should honor our father and mother as well as every God-ordained authority in our life. Here's some questions I want us to reflect on this morning. Question number one. Do I recognize that my parents are a good gift from the Lord? And if not, why do I struggle to see them this way? Do I recognize that my parents are a good gift from the Lord? Now, for you, you may be struggling with that right now because you think, I'm not sure they are a good gift from the Lord. Maybe for you, you grew up in a horrible situation. Maybe you grew up with parents that did abuse you or parents that did mistreat you. And so you think in your minds, as you reflect on that, you think, I struggle because of what I experienced as a kid. That's, that's why I struggle to recognize they are a good gift from the Lord. Can I, can I just encourage you in something this morning? One of the things that we have to take into account is that the Lord gives good gifts to his children. But our parents, who should be good gifts from the Lord to us, because they are sinners, may very well not do what God intended for them to do in our lives. And oftentimes, when we look at that, we lay the blame on that to God. God, why did you put me in this situation? And can I encourage you that God's intent in your life was not to place you in that situation so that you could experience the pain and the trauma and the heartache of growing up in that family. His intent was that your parents would function in the way that they should have functioned. But they chose, they chose not to. Question number two. 
So the blame needs to be laid at the parents and not ultimately at the Lord. I want to ask you if you have parents that you look at and you say, you know, I, I think they did the best that they could. I want to encourage you to recognize that they are a good gift from the Lord. One of the things that we have the opportunity to do is to honor our parents. Now, as young kids, that looks like obedience. That's what honor looks like with young kids. With teenagers, it's walking in obedience to our parents, giving them the weight that they are due. As you get older in life, what does it look like for you to honor your parents, to respect them, to appreciate them? You say, hang on just a second. What if I walk through what you talked about? I don't think I have the responsibility to honor them if they treated me this way. Listen to me in this sense. You honor them by praying for them. Honor them by recognizing they are in desperate need of the gospel if they don't know Jesus and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. Honor them by not sweeping the sin under the rug, but recognizing that maybe it's time just to set some boundaries in life and recognize that that's the way things need to be moving forward. If you have parents that you love that were great parents in your life, honor them, encourage them, tell them how thankful you are for them. Here's question number two this morning. As a parent... Do I take seriously the role in which God has placed me? That role of discipleship, that role of discipline, do you take seriously that role in your kid's life? Am I faithful to disciple and discipline my children? And as my children age, am I intentionally seeking to encourage them and impart godly wisdom to them? Question number three. Am I willing to honor my parents as they continue to age? And what should that look like? Maybe you're thinking this morning, my parents are getting older. What does it look like to honor them well as they age? And maybe even as you think about that, there are some in this room because I've, I've witnessed it, I've seen it in your lives, I've watched my wife walk through this with her mom who was dying, who went and were with them in their last days, serving them, caring for them, taking care of them. But for all of us who have parents that are still alive, there's a day that is coming as they begin to age when we will have a responsibility and an opportunity to honor them well. And what will that look like? Have you recognized that that day is coming and how will you respond when it does? Here's question number four. Are there people in authority over me who are not receiving the honor that they are due? As we expand out from just parents, think about the authority in your life. Are there people who are in authority over you who are not receiving the honor that is due to them by you? It's a moment of conviction for you right now to think through that and to think, how will I change this moving forward? Question number five, what is one 
practical way that I can honor my parents or any other authority in my life this week. One way that you can honor your parents or any other authority this week. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me this morning as our worship team comes up. Maybe for you this morning, this is an opportunity to respond to the truth of God's word in repentance. Maybe a teenager, maybe you look at the way in which you respond to your parents, the way you think about them, and you say, Pastor, you know, I need to ask God's forgiveness about the way that I have responded to them, treated them. This is an opportunity for you to respond this morning. Maybe this is a moment for you to think about some other authority in your life and how you respond to that authority that God has placed in your life. Maybe you're a father or mother who's here and you recognize that you're not taking seriously that role to disciple and to discipline your kids. You're not being intentional with them. And this is a moment for you before the Lord to say, God, I want that to change. Maybe as a parent, you've got kids that are not walking with the Lord. And this is just simply a moment for you to spend some time praying for them. Begging God to do a work in their lives. I want you to know this morning the altar is open. Our pastors will be down front. After I pray, you come. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Work in our hearts and our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand? Join us as we sing. Our altar is open. You come.